Welcome to Time Bandits. Time Bandits is the podcast where every episode we go back in time 40 years to the year 1980 to talk about a film and some music from that year. My name is Greg LeGrone. I'm talking to Dan Gorman. What's the score, Ben? The police are a fascist organization and they should be defunded uh, right now. And if you're a police officer, you should quit your job right now and fuck you and you fucking suck. Go to hell. <laughs> ding, ding, oh. ding. <laughs> Nailed it, Dan Gorman. Casey Lyons, I'm talking to you. What's the score, babe? Well, I was going to say Blue Lives Matter. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, who, who knew Flava Flav would have said it best? Fuck the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, well, I mean, nothing surprising. This just keeps happening over and over, and everyone's just sick of it. Yeah, so. yeah. I... Yeah, it's not like this is... It's not like... This is anything different than what happened last month. No. But it's just it's just a breaking point. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess my what the score, babe, let's be political for this episode for a moment, is for the people who are really complaining about the rioting and looting, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? Yeah. You're just lucky this doesn't happen every time <laughs> a cop does this shit. Because yeah. there would be a lot more. The only reason they ever happen. Is because of this shit. I know. Like, unless, of course, a hockey team or a basketball team wins in a white yeah. city, and then they just burn their own city down. <laughs> there's that yeah. too. Yeah. Because <laughs> white people know when to riot. Yeah. So you only riot for the Canucks or the Celtics. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The Do the Right Thing came out in '89, and mm-hmm. that it was already going on for a long time when that happened. Yeah. Like, like people are very awful and. Uh, yeah, but here's some uh, light distraction for everyone. Yes, hopefully we can the get, have your week. Make some people have some laughs. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. Uh, What's everybody been doing media wise that isn't watching the world burn? Oh, <laughs> trying very hard not to do that. It's a dark, dark spiral to go down. Yeah. I know. I watched something. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you something. I watched uh, Blood Machines. Oh. Or I'd rather have watched two-thirds of Blood Machines. Okay. Did, I guess it was released initially as a like hour-long feature in festivals, but they've broken mm-hmm. it up into a three-part series on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. So I started watching it on there because the trailer, I was like, well, that's visually exciting. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the guy, I don't have any information in front of me, Ickman or something. Uh, who, Seth uh, Ickerman. Ickerman. It's his first project of any kind of, uh, the, you know, an IMDb anyway that I, I can see. Um, the story is, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen dumber things. It's not that it's dumb. It's just like, what are we doing? Um, but good God, the visual. Yeah. It is splendid. <laughs> um, I can't take my eyes off of it. It kind of stays in my brain. I want to go look at it again. It's just so pretty. I can't wait to see what this guy could do with a story. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even need it. Whatever the budget was for blood machines, that's all he gets <laughs> forever. No, no more money because it would look just it's so perfectly tweaked. Like it's that it's like it's it's playing with a couple of like visual cue things that you'll find in like uh, some of the '80s throwback things that aren't really actually like '80s films were. You know, like uh, uh, what do you call it there? Uh, the one that got all that attention a few years back. Turbo uh, Kid? Uh, no, or... no, no, no. A super hyper visual one, Kung Fu thing I'm about. Oh, Kung, Kung Fu Fury. Kung. Kung Fury. Yeah. 
which like much better as a short than a long form. So it has some, you know, visual trickery like that did, but just with far more artistic taste mm. and originality. And there's just like little touches of stuff going on with uh, some of the spaceships, how they're designed, like how the world feels is really realized. Um, and it's fucking cool as shit. The story again is like, I, I mean, I can't even say good or bad. It's just sort of like stuff is <laughs> happening. I don't know why or what yet. It's a little, it's a little light, I suppose, but it, I just don't fucking care because yeah. it looks so, so, so good. I'll watch this absolutely again because it's nice and short, too. It's it's, an, it's cut into three episodes. They're like 18 minutes each. Okay. And uh, it's got this dope score, really good uh, synth kind of Krautrocky score thing going on that's uh, really, really worth your time, too. Yeah. yeah. It's on Amazon. It's an easy watch. Blood Machines. It's Okay. It's super cool. I, I heard it was, weed, but you should smoke weed and watch this. I heard it was almost like um, take it as like a series of music videos that has some plot, sure. and you'll maybe just kind of latch onto the visuals, and yeah, and that's fine too. Yeah, because I mean that's all I kind of want from this. It just it looks so good. But as a director with an eye and a, clearly a, a visual voice, like I yeah. definitely want to see what this guy does. Definitely want to see. Super fucking cool. Sweet. Yeah, I'll watch some of that. I watched a movie from 2019 this week. Did any of y'all see Honey Boy? No, oh. that's the uh, LaBeouf. Yeah, right? the Shia yeah. LaBeouf um, yeah. written and starring <clears throat> movie. It was directed by Alma Harrell. It was a movie that he wrote when he was in uh, therapy, I guess. And he wrote this uh, script about his father and his life as a child star. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that's lightly autobiographical. A lot of the stuff in it happened for real, but it's also turned into a movie. So it's also mm. not, you know, <laughs> exactly yeah. him. Right. Um, and I was a little sort of trepidatious watching this because I was worried it would be a bit like when big stars make their kind of tortured life into a biopic style thing. I sometimes am wondering like, how is this going to pan out on the screen? Am I going to, am I going to buy into it or am I going to be like, Oh, the rich guy is sad or whatever. And you never know. Sometimes it could be a bit self-indulgent or it could go any number of ways, these kinds of things. Right. Um, I was particularly interested because he didn't direct it. He just wrote it and starred in it. So I thought, you know, right. there's, there might be something here and it's, and it's very good. It's a little bit, it's a little bit repetitive in the structure. It's, it's that kind of thing. Too just, many honey boys. Too many honey boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of just sort of like going over the same notes of the way that his father treated him and stuff, which is, you know, very awful. And, and, but as, as a movie, I found it a little bit repetitive, but I did think the direction's really good and the acting amazing and i thought uh it was just really really solid and so if you have that trepidation of is this going to be something that i'm going to want to to watch as a film i would say definitely go for it noah jupe who plays him when he was around 12 years old is fucking phenomenal in this movie oh, yeah. so good so good lucas hedge is good uh and shy himself also very good but no it's noah jupe's movie he is an amazing performance in this film um so yeah it, it, it's good it's very very solid film about sort of dealing with trauma dealing with abuse and dealing with experience he went through with his father so mm -hmm. yeah it's very good so honey boy check it out if you haven't and you feel like it what about you casey <laughs> okay mm -hmm. my thing is one video on youtube okay sweet uh, <laughs> We've got a, uh, uh, you know how like uh, as a family or as a household, you kind of have like those songs, you know, especially like people with kids 
uh, you kind of have those songs where the whole family just loves just dancing to that, like the kids <laughs> yeah, going yeah. for it and everything. I come <laughs> blood by Cannibal Corpse all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know the video. <laughs> Uh, but so uh, there's a band called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Oh, yeah. sure, sure. And I don't care that much for them because they're a little bit like that kind of Lumineers, mm. Mumford and Sons mm. kind of like. They had that one jam though that blew up. Yeah, that home song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, right, and yeah. that's the song. That's yeah. a song that uh, that are the family. Everybody just loves dancing to it. Uh, the kids just love it. But I never really cared that much for the band because they're they're filthy hippies. <laughs> so. Uh, um, <laughs> So I stumbled across a video, a performance of that song from a live show. Uh, I believe it was a monthly show at Largo. They don't do it anymore, but it was called the Paul F. Tompkins and Friends, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular performance of the song Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros is performed by uh, Paul F. Tompkins and Maya Rudolph. Oh, oh. nice. And it is fucking wonderful nice it's uh because uh, paul just sings the hell out of the the guy part and you know maya rudolph just has an absolutely lovely voice and it's just she really like, does such a lovely <clears throat> person too so the spirit of the song is like all there oh and an interesting thing about these shows is that grant lee phillips is a, an integral part of these shows oh uh yeah he's he's become sort of like a, a big part of the uh the comedy scene in la interesting and even yeah, he even used to host a show, like a live show at Largo, um, where he would have uh, comedians come on and talk about a song or two, I think, uh, that means something to them. And then mm. they would perform the song. Uh, so, you know, he had Marin performing songs and Ben Stiller right. and like all these comedians would be uh, performing these great songs. So anyway, <laughs> Grant Lee Phillips is a, is a part, was a part of the, uh, the Paul F. Tompkins uh, uh, show as well. So if you can find it, just type in Paul F. Tompkins Home. And then maybe Maya Rudolph just type in words <laughs> sure. until you find it. But it's a uh, it's a real uh, it's a real treat. Sweet. Yeah. I was just re-listening to uh, Mighty Joe Moon by Grantley Buffalo. What a fucking good album! That's crazy. That album. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So Home by Paul F. Tompkins mm-hmm. and Maya Rudolph, the cover mm-hmm. of the uh, Magnetic Zero song, and Honey Boy, uh, and Blood Machines. Yeah. Woo. There you go. Yeah, things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we got to go back in time. Mm-hmm. How? Phone booth. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to wait. Yeah. I know. I... Now there's going to be puke smell in here the whole time. I'm sorry. This is an unrelated <laughs> thing. I just I yeah. have a thing about phone booths. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I held See? my hand. Sorry. I farted in here too. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. I was hoping the barf would cover the smell, but it didn't. <laughs> oh, so you barfed to cover your. <laughs> yeah, don't you? <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god, this is the stupidest fucking it's, show. It's foolproof. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> oh, have you ever said to anyone who just threw up, "Did you fart"? <laughs> it's fucking science. No one would ever accuse you. Uh, it smells really bad in here, but it also smells like June 1980. It does. We, you know, we can get out of the phone booth. <laughs> This is what the 80s smelled like. Mm. <laughs> wow. June 6th? Yeah. June 6th, 1980. That's a smell I know. Yeah, yeah. We could beautiful spring weather. We could go see all kinds of movies, Mountain Men, whatever the fuck that is, and Up the Academy, Urban Cowboy. Oh. Happy uh, Hooker goes to Hollywood. But we didn't. Nope, certainly didn't. <laughs> Going into space. Yeah. Watch Galaxina. Hell yeah. Once upon a time, that hasn't happened yet, there will be a spaceship called the Infinity. And steering the Infinity among the heavenly bodies will be the most heavenly body of them all, called Galaxina, a dream machine, transistorized and computerized to lead her space buddies across the farthest reaches of fantastic adventure with class. Venusian Thunder Ripple, 2001, great year, great. Galaxina, the beautiful. Galaxina, the untouchable. Galaxina, the invincible. The fourth dimension as they dodge death rays across the universe. Galaxina, starring Stephen Mock, Avery Schreiber, James David Hinton, and introducing Dorothy R. Stratton, Playboy's Playmate of the Year, as your favorite gal, Galaxina. For my first time ever, I've never seen this movie. Me either. Nor, nor mm. have I. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, this is your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. <laughs> I, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, this uh, William Sachs. Uh, uh, counterpoint. <laughs> here's, okay, here's the thing. You are wrong. Before we get into this movie, you, you have a very... Um, a storied history with hacky comedy in that <laughs> you hate it. Yeah, and that it fucking sucks. And I have a history with hacky comedy in which I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. You're a Mel Brooks fan. I keep yeah, yeah. And, and this movie is dumb as hell. Yeah. In Super a way that dumb. I like. But yeah, it was like we've had a couple of duds uh, yeah. recently. And I liked the pace of this. It was really silly and but i liked the sets you know and uh and the acting was the right kind of just like silly like winky something or other that worked in this time period coming off of hawk the slayer holy shit this was like okay lots of creatures yeah yeah. (laughs) maybe if this had come off of something else it was like a good time i wouldn't have enjoyed it as much but after hawk the slayer yeah yeah this was a really nice turn of events. <laughs> totally. See now, after Hawk the Slayer and this movie, I my thought was, uh, let's never do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I like. If it. you had to rewatch one of them, which would it be? Oh, no question, Galaxina. Come on, Casey. Well, my okay. My my first thought is mm-hmm. Galaxina because. Uh, 
because Dorothy Stratton is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, every time Dorothy Stratton was on screen, I was sad. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, I was also happy because she's very good as Galaxina, and I mm-hmm. felt like... Yeah, she was great. It was like I was happy to see her in a fun role. I, I mean, the movie doesn't necessarily give her quite a lot to do, uh, but... No, but she was also not good. that experienced at the yeah. time, so this was like a good way to get to go, like, to have her on screen and go, oh, she's charming. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could see more from her and, and, and have her, like, as she learned the craft of acting kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh she she could have really developed into something yes totally and i totally understand being it being my our uh, a friend of ours who showed up just at the end of the show carlo when we were watching the movie he went and watched it but he had just watched star 80 and he was like (laughs) oh no like like, it wasn't a good movie to him because he was like it was too fresh yeah yeah um and i think for my my part on Galaxina, I think my expectations played into it as well, because I was really like thinking this was going to be one of those like flesh Gordon, like, yeah, I was expecting something much sleazier horned up and like, you know, like the, the whole plot was going to probably have like rape jokes in it and it would just be disgusting and awful. And so I had this idea of what Galaxina was going to be. And then when it was basically like, if this is rated R, but it might as well be PG, there's one scene of nudity on a hollow deck thing and then like one F bomb. And so when it was kind of almost PG rated with the exception of some pretty dated grown worthy stuff i was kind of like whew thank god this isn't like you know the most disgusting movie <laughs> yeah for sure no for it's sure. not the most disgusting movie it's just the fucking stupidest yeah yeah <laughs> um what's the story of this movie because well, i couldn't tell you <laughs> I, I wrote down the opening crawl Okay, cool. Oh, God. I can yeah, read I, the opening crawl, which is yes. Star Wars-esque and very slow and hard right, to read. Extremely slow and very poorly worded. <laughs> it is at an it's poorly worded and at an angle so that you have <laughs> about one millisecond to read every word before they just completely become <laughs> illegible. Yeah. So opening crawl for Galaxina is as follows. The the year is 3008 space travel is now routine as new galaxies were explored and more civilizations discovered the traffic in space increased the united intergalactic federation was called upon to create a police force and soon a fleet of ships was patrolling the far reaches of the known star systems this is the story of one of those ships police cruiser number 308 the infinity it is also the story of the ship's crew and of the ship's robot. She was no ordinary robot, for in the 31st century, man finally created a machine with feelings, and her name is Galaxina. Uh, mm. So, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> listen, man, I tuned out. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, uh, you know, space space parking cops are, are space cops, but then they run into a what is it a they go to an asteroid and a suspicious looking ship flies by and there's a mysterious figure who's in there who's really rude and they shoot at each other and eventually after a bunch of other stuff that we'll get into later they have to go and get some kind of crystal or something of some sort i can't remember (laughs) yeah listen man i tune out again i don't know what you're talking about 
there looking for the blue star. All right. Oh, all right. Yeah. 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 And oh and, yeah, and then they have to steal it from those fucking doo-wop bikers. Yeah. Who worship a motorcycle? That was right. great. God, I hate yeah. that. that. Was great. I forgot about that part. <laughs> that was a fucking Listen, dumb movie. The captain, his name is Cornelius Butt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the best part of this. That's movie. a good time. And he says it a lot. And <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, he uses the familiar corny butt. Yeah. <laughs> and the performance by uh, Avery Schreiber is he made me laugh so much. Like he, I felt like his performance was really funny. He does all this stuff that I felt like must have been improv where like he was leaving a scene and he went to go one way and he was like whoops wrong way and went the other way and like i don't know everything that he was doing was cracking me up <laughs> yeah i was having a good time all the time yeah. i didn't know what was happening most of the time but uh, you yeah. know whatever the dad uh, from monster squad plays thor sergeant thor fuck yeah 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 <laughs> any monster squad alumni film is good for me yeah absolutely Stephen <laughs> mac yeah, yeah. um yeah, this movie. The, OK, so the things that I really didn't like about this movie were that it does have that kind of expected 80s uh, stereotyping of the like Asian man that quotes Confucius oh, yeah, in the bummer. back of the, yeah. the ship like that. It's like, oh, no God, that sucks. And I feel like for a movie called Galaxina, they take too long for it to become her story. And then yeah, they need her. To be, they need her to be saved at the end of the movie. And that sucks, too. But. If you can get past that stuff, I mean, it's got like a rock eating monster. If you can get past <laughs> yeah. that stuff, there's no more stuff. No, if you get yes, past there that is. stuff, there's lots. There's of a stuff. guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt with tiny little bat wings. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> Why? That Actually, guy that rules. Guy, that, What's that he guy did doing rule? there? <laughs> he, Why he is the movie figure... about him? He did not figure into the plot at all. Not a little bit. monster that eats rocks. No. Or his tiny little wings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I loved this movie that I loved that it had that kind of like can't like the the whole stuff with it being um, sort of a Western. And then they end up on like a crappy Western set and they've just changed the film stock to be like inverted colors. And now we're a space Western. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> and why is the Batmobile is there? <laughs> why was the fucking Batmobile there? Yeah. And why didn't they put the Hawaiian shirt bat person in the Batmobile? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you just don't get it. <laughs> I felt mm. like even though it takes too long to become her story, the first chunk of the movie, the, I still felt like it was nice that they did keep the the jokes on them being dumb dudes like the dad from monster squad is always trying to seduce galaxina and it's and it's not like so gross that it becomes not charming it's like she's always zapping him and like making him like get electrocuted and shit and it's like the movie knows that he's a dumb idiot (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah and then they eat the egg. the captain butt decides to eat an alien egg for some reason. That was amazing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> extremely bizarre. And then uh, they have like an alien spoof scene where there's he, like, like a long up. there's a long scene they spent talking about eating the egg. Yeah, that, that fucking and, uh, goes nowhere. <laughs> well, he did eat the egg and then birth the yeah, alien he, that thinks it's that he's its mom. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> and to be fair, the alien does grow up to eat the bad guy's ass at the end of the movie. Yeah. So, you know, are you 
hearing this? This is great. This movie rules. <laughs> it leads to uh, for, him for those, barfing up an alien. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't eat the bad guy's ass in the way that you think, though. Oh, you like wanted not, it to be not more like right. a not like a millennial would. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't toss a salad or anything. <laughs> He's uh, like, lay down. <laughs> I really liked that baby alien that they, I liked that they had mm-hmm. that little arc for the baby alien. Yeah. I liked that the rock monster, they try and get him to eat the bars so they can escape from jail. And he's like, yeah. I'm a rock monster. I don't eat bars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I just, I like silly shit. And this movie was at, at was thankfully packed full of it as oh, dumb yeah. as it all was. Yeah. And I did, I read up about the director and I didn't realize that he had a huge career in like fixing movies. He worked, he worked on, he, he did. Yeah. Like, and, and one of the ironies is he's never been happy with any of the movies that he was, was brought on to direct because of people getting in the way of them. Um, but he, he worked on Joe 1970 with, uh, Peter Boyle, a phenomenal movie. He basically, brought that movie in to what it became which was like a really big critical hit but he worked on like exterminator 2 and leprechaun and a whole bunch of other movies he was basically known as this guy that would like come in to help with reshoots and edits um Mm -hmm. and he had a crazy crazy sort of like career i read all about it he was going to school to be a businessman and then he found this book about how to hypnotize people and one day he hypnotized a guy but he forgot to read how to unhypnotize him and the guy (laughs) couldn't get unhypnotized so he got kicked out of school (laughs) because of that and so then he became a filmmaker but yeah he did all this stuff like (laughs) i feel like we took a bit of a leap there (laughs) there is some gap yeah hypnotized a guy ruined his brain (laughs) yeah but he he would be bring into he would be brought in to do stuff like one of the first movies he worked on was called south of hell mountain and i think it had uh might have had robert de niro in it but it was an early canon movie and um he had to like create you know flashbacks out of footage that was already shot and like completely like reformat the movie so yeah he was known as this guy who came in and fixed movies but he was really upset about galaxina because they were gonna make uh this movie and they were gonna shoot for 20 days but it was raining really terribly in los angeles and things were flooding and stuff and they had to keep mm-hmm. cutting back and cutting back and apparently like there's all these scenes that he couldn't like uh film and he's really upset about the movie's pace because he had more that he was going to shoot to make it like more actiony and faster and and more uh well paced but i mean i thought it was pretty well paced it's just all silly shit <laughs> i don't know I, uh, I i think that's two out of three of us are are at least enjoyed our experience with galaxina i agree with that. yeah it was fun yeah, yeah. um oh also uh, apparently, this is one of the first films ever to use a uh, computer for visual effects, even oh. earlier than Tron. Oh, shit. Yeah. That is nice. There were visual effects? <laughs> yeah, there were some, some yeah. CGI. They didn't shoot on location in space. Yeah. I really Wait, enjoyed what? it. what? <laughs> I hate it even more. They lied that. to me. <laughs> I thought it looked cool. Yeah, it's uh, fun. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Well, I'd probably watch well, it again. I, I could see that. 
I'll, I'll watch it someday. Yeah. Um, so don't listen to Casey. Listen to Greg and I. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> All right. What 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 do we do? What did we learn? Yeah. What did we learn? I'm not. I you know as no matter how goopy they are, I'm 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 not eating weird space eggs. Yeah. I don't care what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> they were really goopy. It was disgusting. So don't eat that. And nobody, bad things happen. I was just gonna say what I learned was that I am definitely going to eat goopy space eggs because mm-hmm. then I'll barf up a little alien who yeah. later I'm gonna eat my ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fair. Well, I mm-hmm. I learned that if I do eat an egg and barf up uh, an alien baby of some sorts, I should make sure he doesn't tamper with my pod. And make me show up with shaggy gray hair because I aged while everybody else did it. <laughs> Is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. That was great. Good uh, gag. Love yeah. it. Yep. Very nice. Great gag. <laughs> Listen, I'm an idiot and I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Those are both true yeah. statements. Beauty. Nice. Mm-hmm. So music time? I think it's music time. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. a playlist. It'll be in the comments and the Again. show notes of music from 1980. Um, I'll go first go because mine's real short. My Elvis song. Elvis Costello song. Uh, <laughs> nope. I'm, za- I'm zagging. Oh. Uh, my song is uh, You May Be Right by Billy Joel. I may be crazy. Yeah. And it's because he says lunatic. <laughs> you may be right. That's a good song. I may song. be crazy. That's real good. But it just not be a lunatic <laughs> you're looking for. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking amazing song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have a ton to say about my song either, so I'm going to go next. Also, because I know, Greg, you mentioned that I... I contributed a song off of what you'll be talking about, same album. Yeah, so you can jump in with me. So I'll jump in with you. But I, so an album that came out in 1980 in February is, there's a a very great album called Too Much Pressure by The Selector. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I deeply love that album. Yeah. and that motherfucker on vinyl. Yeah, and on that album, there is a really, really great cover of a song called Time Hard by The Pioneers. just have been listening to that song quite a bit lately and that album in general is very good i never listened to a ton of two-tone until a number of years ago when i was younger i was into really shitty ska punk and then i got into like really really you know like trojan box sets and that kind of reggae so like two-tone was always 
somewhere in the middle and I knew knew the hits and I knew certain songs, but I've just been leaning back into two tone lately. Hey Dan, yeah. during too, your reggae during your reggae time, how many culturally inappropriate floppy hats did you own? Zero. <laughs> uh, that's that's less yeah. l- less than I own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So two tone rules yeah. and yeah, I've been leaning into it. You too, Greg? That's funny. Yeah, I have been. I had a big, deep, massive love affair with uh, two-tone revival period Scott. Yeah. Many, many, I owed many pairs of plaid pants. <laughs> nice. The whole thing, man. Yeah, skinny ties, plaid pants. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Sweet. You had some suspenders. <laughs> I did have some suspenders. It's true. Oh, it man. Good, it was a good time. <laughs> and then the 90s just, just shat all over all Scott. Over it. Destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally broken forever. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I was like, I'm getting in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what'd you pick? I picked, well, my track is a song called Woolitzer Jukebox from uh, the Young Marble Giants album Colossal Youth, their only album. Interesting. Um, yeah. When you said that I picked a song off of the album that you had picked in my head, I thought, oh, maybe it'll be Birthday Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a little Nick Cave already. I yeah, assumed then yeah. you might jump to the Wipers, too. But, uh, yeah, yeah. no, I I, uh, I stumbled onto this album somehow, I don't know, like 20 years ago or something, and it just blew my mind. Yeah. It's their only record. They're this band from Wales. Oh, um, so good so good it's post-punk in its you know classification but it's super minimalist yeah you've got very little percussion going on it's extremely bass driven and then just let go like a beautiful vocal happening uh and uh the bass player philip moxham is extraordinarily good (laughs) he's got bass riffs for days it's amazing um and there's something about Warlords or Jukebox that always did it for me. It's that the bass line is so captivating yeah. and intense, but it's it's this also there's something kind of extra chill about the delivery of that song and takes me to a really fucking cool place. It's it's a it's an album that everyone should listen to at least once in their life. It's yeah. a total experience. It doesn't sound like anything else. Nothing sounded like it since. Um, it's a very special one-off, this one time for this band, um, and it's a remarkable piece of work. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere that um, what like part of the reason it was so minimal be- was because when they made the record, they didn't really know anything about how to like produce or mm-hmm. record music. It was it's one of those like this band just sort of happened kind of things and yeah it's 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 its own thing <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah. It's, like like you said it's sort of post-punk but it's like incredibly sparse and minimal and weird yeah totally yeah, i love um, it yeah i remember reading something that like they they weren't even sure if this was going to be the album or if like this was going to be the skeleton for an album like then we'll learn how to build onto this yeah. you know <laughs> that's why you get this but it, like it, it wouldn't be I, I don't know what that would be but you wouldn't have this and this yeah. is again so individualistic and perfect it's you know it's yeah, a unique yeah. album there's um, like only like one or two overdubs or something that's all just yeah. so just stripped down to like what can yeah. we do right now <laughs> yeah and you put uh i think i put the song uh, you and brand new life yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking great track. Yeah. Um, yeah. What an album. Very What cool. an album. Yeah. Worth your time. Everyone, at least one go on this album in your life. It's extremely worth it. And you'll hear two tracks from it on our playlist this week. So yeah, that's fucking dope. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So back in the phone booth then. Yeah. Get back in. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fart? <laughs> you know what would do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Out of respect. Oh. Oh. So, um, very quick. Thank you for the voicemail last week from Clayton about the X Files album that he heard Frank Black on. That was a fun story. Yeah, um, yeah, because I remember that album. My sister was a huge X Files fan, and she had that album. And yeah, I, I, I don't think I listened to it too much, but I definitely remember it. Yeah, it had uh, Soul Coughing was on it as well, and and there's yeah. like Elvis Costello song on there too. Huh. Oh, really? What song? My Dark Life. Uh, it's Elvis Costello and Brian Eno together. Interesting. Oh, cool. I yeah. don't even know that mm. song. Yeah, it's mm. a interesting, uh, interesting album. Yeah. Well. That's yeah. our episode. Go watch right. Galaxina. It's yep. a wonderful time. <laughs> yep. Um, go to Facebook and Time Bandits Podcast and Time Bandits Pod on Twitter. You'll find us tweeting out when we watch our movies together, and we'll watch another one this week. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. S- stay fresh, cheese bags. Yeah, stay yeah. fresh, cheese bags. And to all of our uh, American listeners, please stay safe. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because... Just pretty fucked up. Yeah. And hey, everybody, let's all just remember there's still a virus trying to kill us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.